This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive. You are listening to WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where the Triad's biggest party of the summer begins tomorrow at Sedgefield Country Club. And in recent years, there's been a nice run of players from South Korea to win this tournament, to win the Wyndham Championship. Last year, it was Tom Kim holding up the Sam Snead Cup. In 2016, it was Siwoo Kim. Before that, KJ Choi. But if memory serves, that might have been at Forest Oaks, not at Sedgefield, a little while back. Japanese golfers had a lot of success, have had a lot of success at this tournament. It's why Hideki Matsuyama is the favorite in many books to win the championship this week. There was a Japanese champion in the 2000s as well. But getting back to South Korea, my pick is Sung Jae M to continue the country's success in Greensboro and to win the Wyndham Championship. That's that my cash out, family. That is my prediction for those who are interested in the Vegas portion of things, 22 to 1 odds for Sung J.M. Here's why I like him. He only knows success at Sedgefield. He has four starts there, four top 25 finishes. Three of those he placed in the top 10. He was the runner-up last year to Tom Kim. So all he knows is success at Sedgefield. I don't expect that to change. And he feels due this week. When it comes to golf, a lot of it is finding guys who are trending up, finding guys who are playing well and fit well at a certain golf course. And Sung J.M. checks both those boxes. Obviously, no Sedgefield well for the success that was just described, but also he's done very well this year. He's not one of those guys like Justin Thomas or like Danny Willett or Adam Scott who are outside of the top 70 in fear of not making it into the playoffs. He's comfortably in because he's had a really good year. He usually wins once or twice a year on tour, but he hasn't won this season. However, he has 11 top 15 finishes, six top 10 finishes, and... There's a good reason why he's top 30 in the world golf ranking and once again, comfortably into the playoff. It's because he's an excellent golfer and he knows this course well. I think he closes the PGA Tour's regular season by winning in Zetchfield. Sung J.M., my pick. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on today's show, Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. Will, are you going to be watching the Carolina Panthers Fan Fest on WFMY tonight? You doggone right I am. It's time! A lot of people don't even realize this is (laughs) televised. Yeah! It's probably not going to be the greatest TV product. Who knows, though? You might have Taylor Zarzor, who was just texting me. He expects to be in Greensboro for the Wyndham. There's a lot of stuff for the PGA Tour and for PGA Tour Radio on Sirius. I think it's going to be him and Steve Smith who are the tandem for preseason games. It'll be on WFMY 
7 to 9 p.m. tonight. WD, there is a lot of smoke in Tallahassee today. As we're speaking with you right now, the Florida State Board of Trustees is currently meeting, and there have been whispers all week that a potential exit from the ACC could be on the agenda. And this should be taken seriously because after listening to the chair of the FSU board, Peter Collins, on a podcast yesterday, it actually seemed real for the first time that they might try to leave the conference. It remains to be seen if they will be successful, but it seems like they're going to try. His position, which is shared by a lot of the school's leadership, is that the financial gap between the ACC and the top two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, is existential for Florida State. Existential. They need to act now. They cannot wait till 2036. And it seems to be that his position is there's nothing the ACC can do to appease Florida State. Take uneven revenue distribution, for example. This is something Florida State complained about at their last Board of Trustees meeting before spring meetings, and they got uneven distribution. It seems there's going to be the success initiative implemented that will allow for the more successful schools to get a bigger cut of the pie. But that really doesn't seem to matter all that much, despite all that guff, all that talk, about what it would mean to Florida State to get it. Now that they've gotten it, it seems they're going to get it. Here was Peter Collins yesterday on that War Chant podcast saying, yeah, even if we do get it, it's probably not going to make much of a difference. I think the uneven, unequal revenue distribution model, um, it's not going to get us there. It's just really not going to get us there. Uh, If you Let's say that the unequal revenue distribution model is it gives Florida State, let's say, $6 million more a year. Okay, well, now we're not losing 35, we're losing $29 million a year to our competitors. Did it is that that's still you could argue that's still insurmountable? Oh, it's insurmountable. Oh, this is existential. This is what university presidents and ADs push. We need to act right now when really what they're saying is we want to make more. We should be making more. It's not that you need to. We've learned we've learned that in sports. And look at sports that don't have a salary cap. The Yankees have more money than anybody in baseball. My Baltimore Orioles are in first place and the Tampa Bay Rays are in second place. And the Yankees haven't won in 14 years the World Series. You see it in other sports too. Teams that have more money. The Big Ten has more money than anybody other than the SEC. The ACC has more national championships than the Big Ten does in the last 10 years. When's the last time they won in basketball? 2000. And it's not because they haven't had enough teams in the tournament. We've come to learn. But they believe it's existential. So it looks like they're going to act. But you might be thinking to yourself, what about the grant of rights? It doesn't seem, or at least to Peter Collins, who's not a nobody. He is the board, the chair of the Board of Trustees, Floor Florida State. It seems they feel like they can test the grant of rights. They might be the first school to try to test a grant of rights. Not even the SEC or the Big Ten has tried. There's a reason why USC and UCLA have yet to join the Big Ten. 
or Texas or Oklahoma have not joined the SEC to this point, even though these agreements have been done for years that they're going to join. And it's because of television. It's because of television revenue. It's because of grants of rights that have been agreed to. This was Peter Collins on that particular issue. I mean, we have a very good handle on what our risks are under that document, um, what our opportunities are under that document. Um, and that's the least of my worries. Uh, and that's uh, based on what we know. So when I say we have a good handle on it, I mean, we understand it. Uh, we have gotten a lot of counsel on that document. And um, that will not be the document that keeps us from taking action. He didn't give many details about what he learned. It's a page and a half document, what he learned that gives Florida State some wiggle room. But let's just take him at, a, at his word. Okay, you can get past the grant of rights. That might not be. I might agree with him on this. That might not be the biggest challenge for FSU. I think the biggest challenge for FSU is this, destination. All this talk about, oh, the SEC and... Are we sure the SEC wants Florida State? Like the Big Ten put out this, or they didn't put it out, but there are reports today that they're exploring potential expansion to 18 and 20. And it's funny, Florida State's not on that list of teams that they're looking at. They're looking at the Pac-12 schools that don't have a television agreement. Thus, they can easily jump, more easily jump. The SEC already has a school in the state of Florida. And Florida State hasn't done anything since Jameis Winston was there. So do we know that there's a real demand for FSU, that they have an option to go somewhere else? Because their commissioner, Greg Sankey, has said pretty clearly, bluntly, publicly, at Meetings just a few weeks ago, they're not looking to add. They're just focused on Texas and Oklahoma. However, Peter Collins feels they have a great set of options. He said options, plural, that they could potentially utilize. And I, I think we're in a great position. We have a lot of options. We're a very attractive. Um, and I, I like our position. Uh in going forward, I, I I like our prospects, and I um, I don't have a bit of hesitancy about our prospects. Mm. This is where I push back. This is where I call BS. When Texas and Oklahoma left, it was silent. Nobody saw that coming. The Houston Chronicle was the one to break it because A and M learned about it and leaked it to an A and M reporter for the Chronicle, right? When USC and UCLA left, it blew people away there too. Usually, if you do have options, you don't have to tell us about how many options you have. And FSU is constantly like, oh, we're so valuable. We're so. You sound like the person saying, you're so humble. Oh, man, I'm so humble. Oh, yeah. You know, if you have options, you would have taken the options. If you could get out of the grant of rights, you would have done it already. That's why I, I don't have a lot of expectations for this board of trustees meeting, but that doesn't mean they're not going to try. And that's what's newsworthy to me today. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Darren Gant. 
from Panthers.com is going to join us in just a bit. We look forward to his visit because the last time we spoke with him, he was putting stuff together for the Luke Combs concert in Charlotte. He's an Appalachian State grad. Did you end up going to the show? I didn't end up going to the show, but this was the hanger that Jersey was on. Did so he steal it? Did he steal the Jersey? No, I took it home to the personal collection. Just checking. Like, what would yeah, happen yeah, yeah. if Luke Combs says, I want this? That's like part of my daughter's birthright. She's a senior at ASU this year. Love you, baby girl. She's uh, she's asked for very few material possessions from me, but that is one she has laid claim to. We have to figure out a way. Since the Panthers play Monday night football week two, I think the opening is there for Darren Gant to potentially go to ECU App State in week two. Is that going to happen? Hmm. Where is that game? Is that game at Ficklin Field? or is it's that in a Boone. It's a good oh. brewer. We might have to do a little uh, research on that one. I am very much in one day at a time mode right now, as you might imagine. It's like I'm literally walking around the office saying, what day of the week is this? Today's what? Wednesday? It's Fan Fest. This is usually always on a weekend, but uh, or at least a Friday night. But thanks to my close personal friend, Beyonce, who's moving in uh, with all her stuff tomorrow. She'll be here. I've offered up my spacious office here as a dressing room if she needs extra space. But uh, I would even give her a friend of the mailbag T-shirt for free just because that's kind of host I want to be for Beyonce while she's here in Charlotte. You don't think she'd appreciate like a Demetrius Taylor App State jersey? Like what's what's something that you could maybe make Beyonce feel at home with? Yeah, I don't know. It, you know what? Here's what I'll tell you. If Beyonce wants the autographed Armani Edwards jersey, she can have the autographed Armani <laughs> Edwards jersey. Did you end up going to that show, though, either of those days? Did you go no, see Luke Combs? No, I didn't. I was something. I mean, it was like the last weekend of Liberty before I go in for 24 weeks of NFL season. So I think the wife and I just wanted a little quiet time uh, without a Luke Combs concert in our future. Right. Yeah. But I did see Kurt Vile the other night, and, he, and that was quite nice. I enjoyed that a great deal. That sounds really nice. Yeah. yeah. Probably he's better cool. than Beyonce. He's kind of hard to explain to people. I was telling somebody today, I think if there's a spectrum that goes from John Prine to the Grateful Dead, he's somewhere in the middle there. For a kid from Philly, he sounds like one of us. He could be, uh, he could be country. The alternative, I think. Future music promoter, Darren Gant. Like, if you want to convince people to go to a show, just tell them it's part John Prime, part Grateful Dead. I'm there. I'm there. Just yeah, tell man. me when to get there. Uh, you mentioned it's Wednesday. You figured out what day of the week it was and that it's Fan Fest, yep. which means they've been having training camp now for a week. What's jumped out to you during said week? What's most jumped out to you about this team? Well, obviously, Bryce Young is much taller than he was the day they drafted him. He's practically gigantic. I think he's about 6'11 now at this point. He's really – they got him on that nutrition program. Now, Bryce is still Bryce. The one thing I've learned about Bryce, honestly, and Augusta Stone wrote a, a neat story for us today at Panthers.com. Watching Bryce come out of his shell a little bit at a time has been one of the interesting things and showing a little more personality. That's been cool. But on the football field, which is the reason you called to ask, um, we are we are seeing as advertised. We're seeing a guy who makes good decisions, gets the ball out quick, 
doesn't do a lot of stupid things over and over again. Um, you know, when he's thrown some picks in practice, it's not like there's a common thread. It's not like all four of them have been batted down at the line of scrimmage because he's so short or anything like that. I mean, he's doing different stuff. He's experimenting. Frank said yesterday, we've basically told him, take chances in practice. Let's see what we can get away with. Let's see what windows you can put it into. And we've seen enough of the Bryce Young puts it into a really tight place to say, okay, well, this kid has some degree of aptitude for that, which you would expect based on what we saw of him in college. But I I think in terms of broad, you know, we've been down there a week and a half. We've seen one padded practice. So it's a little hard to draw gigantic global, you know, takeaways from what we've seen. But I think, if anything, I'm probably less concerned about how the offense is coming along and how Bryce is going to spread the ball amongst these targets than I am how they fill in some spots on defense. I mean, they've still, you know, not done a deal with Brian Burns. There's still a big question mark on the other side opposite him, especially with Marquise Haynes on the sidelines with a little bit of a back issue. Um, and they've still, they're still thin at cornerback. So all those things are, are kind of giving me a little bit of pause on the other side of the ball from the thing everybody is focusing on. You misread us in the midst of that answer there saying the reason that we called on for you is what he does on the field. Actually, us yesterday finally getting a chance to hear him talk about some of the secondhand reports of him off the field might be the most interesting stuff, whether it be his Bojangles partnership, whether it be him as a DoorDash driver, Bryce Young, or most importantly, him singing Keisha Cole at the talent show. Darren Gant, you've got a Panthers logo on your shirt. You work in the content business. Where's the tape? Where's the tape, Darren? The tape is in an undisclosed location, and I will tell you because uh, copyright music can be problematic for the NFL in unlicensed situations. So I don't know that we're ever going to get that. Even if he's singing it a cappella? I will tell you. That according to sources close to me, sources close to me tell me this is an exclusive. I think it's safe to say Bryce is more of an entertainer than a pure singer. Yeah. He's the voice was described to me by one of my trusted sources as not great. But he owned it. And and apparently, I mean, and I do think there is some carryover uh, conclusion that you can draw. Even if he's not the best singer in the world, he had the room. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what you're looking for out of quarterback, and he owned the role. That's exactly what I'm looking for from a karaoke singer. I don't know if you've done karaoke much, Darren. I love doing karaoke, and here's yeah. the thing. I can't sing. Like Bryce, I can't sing, but it's about song selection. It's about presence right. and owning it. It sounds like yeah. he's the type of guy, Darren, if you and I went to Bulls Tavern in downtown Winston and decided to go to karaoke night, he would read the room the way that he processes a defense and choose the right song, Darren. Like, do you have a karaoke choice that you think would be great in reading the room or a good story about the time you decided to get on stage? My my go-to is always Marty Robbins, you know, down in the West Texas town of El Paso. (laughs) Five minutes. (laughs) True story. I used to play this song in the car a lot as my children were growing up. And I tell you, we let it play through a couple times, and my son you know, was kind of digging on it. And I said, you know what the moral of that story is, boy? And he said, what's that? And I said, cocktail waitresses ain't nothing but trouble. 
<laughs> That's outstanding. Um, you got you're you're talking about the hype at FanFest. Can you tell a difference in the hype surrounding this team versus other camps that you've covered with Bryce, a new head coach? Like, see, right. Matt Rule never had a chance to really bask in that at all before things went south because sure. 2020, COVID, all that happened. But can you tell a difference with this oh, team? You, you can absolutely tell a difference. And I've talked to guys, you know, around the facility and stuff during training camp, and, and it sounds corny, but it does feel different. And there is – you know, and I don't mean to be ugly about anybody the last five years, but since Cam Newton got hurt in the Pittsburgh game in the middle of the 18th season, the Carolina Panthers kind of been in witness protection. I mean, nobody's really had to pay a lot of attention to them uh, because of a lot of reasons, including the fact that there's never been that star at quarterback like Bryce is and Bri like Bryce has been. So there's been a lot more attention. You know, there's been a lot more national media. There's going to be a lot more next week when the Jets roll yeah, what in. Do like? what, do you, what do you think that's going to look like? What do you think that's going to look like in Spartanburg? Like crowd distribution, like national media. Is that going to be a circus? Would you go that far? I, I think that's fair. Like I said, it's going to be the, I think I told you this a couple months ago, it's going to be the opposite of a darkness retreat. There's going to be so much light. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of light, no heat. No, there will also be heat. It is still Spartanburg. But, yeah, it's going to get a lot of attention. But it has felt different. It has felt shiny and new. And, you know, it's, it's almost like there is a – and I don't mean this. It's easy to make this sound kind of – uh, degrading to the young man, but there is an innocence about what's happening here. Frank Reich, Dom Capers, the nostalgia, brand new quarterback. He's very young. He's very, he's very well-mannered. He, he the, had the shocked look on his face the other day when the kid left him hanging and he had to fist bump himself. Um, all that stuff. And by the way, that's my favorite piece of content we've created um in the last couple of months i mean that was just gold and i was happy to have been there to witness it um and i've watched it no less than 25 times since it <laughs> happened so there's your behind the scenes bryce is a big fist bump guy he's always got to be you know he's always fist bumping people that is his greeting of preference so when the young fella stood him up uh he was a little hurt by that but there's an innocence about what's going on here it, with such a fresh start that I think a lot of people are enjoying the fact because it's been it's been a minute since people have felt okay about being excited about the Carolina Panthers. And there are some actual tangible reasons to be excited about this football team that transcend my employment. WD, do you have a go-to karaoke song? Uh, Pony by Genuine. Oh, that's excellent. That's That's been the move in the past. The last time I did karaoke might have been either on my honeymoon or or before my wedding where I was in Boston and I sang a uh, I sang a Disney song that got everybody going. You and your brother got up there. We did do uh, that. You look like an under-the-sea guy. Nah, was it under-the-sea? It, it was, <laughs> it was uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. Okay. That's it. I'm sorry if I've expanded right. past your, your um, catalog of Disney songs in your head. But that yeah. is, it's a good one. I'll send it to you. Mine go way, way back. Excellent. We talking like Steamboat Willie? That's Something what we're talking like about. <laughs> Derek Ant, it's good to see you. Enjoy FanFest tonight. Is it Who's yeah. in the booth? Is it Zarzor and Steve Smith? What are we talking yeah. about? Taylor Zarzor, Steve Smith. It's available across the Panthers 
broadcast network. You can tune in all across the Carolinas and beyond, as I've been informed recently. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. And, and I think it'll be good to, you know, obviously always get Steve's insight on that kind of stuff because Steve is uh, never one to hold back if he feels a certain way. No doubt. WFMY here locally. You can catch that 7 to 9 p.m. Darren Gant, keep up the great work, man. We'll talk soon. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Instead of just talking, why don't you listen? That's why you have people call in. Listen for a minute. Oh, welcome back to the Happy Circle. The Drive with Josh Graham. Chip Patterson will join us 10, 15 minutes from now from CBS and the Cover 3 podcast. To continue on Florida State as that Board of Trustees meeting just started about 20 minutes ago that a lot of people have become interested in, there is that Big Ten report that dropped this morning. Really, it was in the last couple of hours, I should say. But it says that now that Colorado has left the Pac-12 to leave for the Big 12, the Big 12 is looking at expansion again. There's an exploratory group of ADs, perhaps some university presidents, that are looking at expansion options, if that's something the Big 10 would have interest in. And it was all really initiated by the Big 12, with Colorado leaving and maybe Arizona and or Utah jumping as well. That leaves the Pac-12 in a really bad place. Schools looking for landing destinations, looking for olive branches. Washington and Oregon are the two schools the Big Ten has, or, pardon me, the Pac-12 has currently, that makes the most sense for the Big Ten because Washington has Seattle, significantly big city that you can tap into, a new market and a new state. Oregon, that's a different state too, and you have Nike that comes along with that, two pretty successful programs that could be national championship level with more resources, and it eases some of the concerns many people in the league have about USC and UCLA, some of the concerns those schools themselves have about be feeling so isolated out there on the West Coast. But what was most interesting about that report they said a second option. It wasn't just expanding potentially to 18. They were going to discuss potential expansion to 20 with Cal and Stanford being a package deal. That's a great rivalry between those two. It's tough to imagine them taking that big of a leap, but if you would have said a year and a month ago that USC and UCLA would be leaving to the Big Ten, that would be just as unthinkable at that point. Notice Florida State wasn't mentioned. Oh, all these options FSU has. Well, why isn't the Big Ten taking a look at that? Hmm. Just interesting when you really look at it. Getting to the Carolina Panthers. Again, those are things we will get to with Chip Patterson when he joins us in a bit. Scott Fitterer has rebuilt the Carolina Panthers into a division contender this year. It's been slowly building towards this. And if this rebuild has looked familiar at all to you, it should. 
He's following the same exact template that led to a Super Bowl for the Seattle Seahawks, where he was before, when he was the director of scouting, an assistant GM, part of that brain trust with John Schneider and Pete Carroll out west. Here's the template that he's followed. Before prioritizing the quarterback, Seattle and now the Carolina Panthers focused on defense and the offensive line before getting that QB. Fitterer's first draft as the director of scouting in Seattle looked like this. First round pick, James Carpenter, a year after they took Russell Okun. Focusing on the offensive line before you drop the quarterback in, to use the Scott Fitterer expression. Then you have, later in the draft, some guy named Richard Sermon that you took. And then you went on to draft Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, and Earl Thomas to surround an offense that would soon be led by Russell Wilson. Similarly, Fitterer with the Panthers, what did he do in his first draft? Took J.C. Horn, number eight, eight overall, the first defensive player off the board. Send me that cash out, fam. You took him, and then last year, who did you take? First offensive player off the board, Iki Aquanu out of state. You're prioritizing the defense and the offensive line. And then when you got to the quarterbacks, there were obvious similarities between the two quarterbacks that were chosen. Russell Wilson was doubted for his height. Bryce Young's being doubted for his frame. Those are That's a comp that we've seen all along the draft process, and that hasn't slowed down at all, especially considering who just drafted him. But it wasn't just going to be Russell Wilson, Seattle's plan back in 2012, when Fitterer was rebuilding, helping rebuild the Seahawks. He was only a third-round pick. Bryce Young was the number one pick. Let's not forget that Seattle gave Matt Flynn a huge contract that offseason from Green Bay. He was Aaron Rodgers' backup that a lot of people felt good about because he played spot starts and looked pretty good when he was out there. So Seattle knew they were going to prioritize quarterback in that offseason. They took Matt Flynn. They took a flyer on Russell Wilson. And obviously, Russ turned out to be a hit. Carolina went all in by trading draft picks in order to get to the number one pick and draft Bryce Young. They knew the O-line and the defense were good enough that now is the time to jump and get the quarterback. They did that in Seattle with multiple guys hoping one would hit, and obviously Russ did. And this offseason, they felt good enough about Bryce, get up to the number one pick and get their guy. That's what they did. Scott finished things off by adding a running back. Marshawn Lynch from Buffalo was a huge addition for those, those Seahawks, obviously. Carolina believes Miles Sanders could be one of the five or six best running backs in the league. That's how they feel. That's been told to me by multiple people. They think he could be one of the five or six best running backs in the league. And if you notice, all this talk about running back contracts and things, none of the running backs are getting paid. One did. One did get a deal as a free agent. And it was Miles Sanders getting a deal from the Panthers. That's how highly they feel of him. And if you think I'm reaching here, all that, all these similarities, Josh, you're just reaching. This is not the same thing at all. Don't just take it from me. Here was Scott Fitterer saying as much last week when the Panthers opened up training camp at Spartanburg. 
Yeah, you know, it's been very similar. You know, just how you go about it: build it with defense. You know, build with the offensive line, drop the quarterback in. Um, you know, how you surround them with good, talented players around them to, to support a young quarterback. You know, I think uh, back then it was Marshawn that came in, and we bring in Miles Sanders. And Miles is a guy that, you know, he can run the ball and he can catch the ball. That's a good safety net. That's a good, that's why we he's a guy that we earmarked during free agency and went out and got. So looking through it again. Yeah, you, you prioritize the defense and the offensive line. Then you drop the quarterback in and you find that running back piece valuing a running back in a way that many other teams across the league just aren't right now. That was the model that Scott Fitterer followed in Seattle, and you just heard it there from Scott. That's the model that he's followed again with the Panthers, and it's why a lot of people feel, myself included, the Panthers could win the NFC South as early as this year. And it's not just because of Bryce. Bryce isn't a savior in that regard. It's because of a lot of that building, that infrastructure that they've put around him. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. Chip Patterson. Joins us now, Cover 3 Podcast. You know him from CBS Sports HQ as well. And an all-around good guy. We'll get to the Wyndham Championship in just a bit to talk some golf. But after listening to the board, the chair of the Board of Trustees at FSU, Peter Collins, speak on the War Chant Podcast this week, it seems like to me he doesn't feel all that deterred by the grant of rights. He doesn't feel like the that FSU is in a position it can wait to leave the ACC. It seems like this is something that they're going to try. One other thing that was noteworthy, he said that he felt good about the prospects, about several options was the way that he put it, for FSU if they wanted to leave. Rather than try to nitpick some of the areas that might make this difficult for FSU to leave, if they were to try, Chip, what hurdle interests you more, the grant of rights piece of this or the destination for FSU? The the hurdle is more interesting because it's more unknown. Uh, destination to me from the, and I think I'm going to end up referencing uh, our, our mutual friends, Joe Ovis and Joe Giglio, but they've, you know, they've been a lot of things that have brought some clarity. You know, they've had closer connections with the ACC league office for longer than I have. And uh, Joe Giglio brought up that it is not good business for ESPN for Florida State to leave the ACC and go to the SEC because Florida, because the ACC and ESPN are 50% partners in the ACC network. Uh, the ACC is fully in bed with ESPN. And so you are weakening one of your properties. And how much is Florida State really adding to the SEC? Um, they already play, you know, a, a premier game against Florida that's going to end up on ESPN. They regularly, as they will this year against LSU, play in massive non-conference games. So you're weakening one side, and I don't think you're really doing a major change to the other. The destination that is intriguing is the Big Ten, and that is because the Big Ten is Fox, and the Big Ten has no relationship with ESPN. And to pick up Florida State, you know, would be something that the Big Ten would be interested in. You'd be getting into you know one of the three most populous states in the entire country. 
Uh, you'd be adding a, a signature college football brand. And while we have all of the academics jokes for days when it comes to Florida State and thinking about the Big Ten's academic reputation, I've heard throughout all of this that, you know, like they just got a massive, you know, like hundreds of millions of dollar grant for clinical research and at the university level are trying to use that clinical research angle to get themselves into that AAU, right? That prestigious circle of schools, which this is another funny thing I found out this week. It was always every Big Ten school is an AAU. Nebraska was an AAU at the time of it joining the Big Ten. Eh, they pulled the membership. They dropped the ball there. So is it even really a requirement anymore? So the ESPN and Fox of it all, uh, and seeing that Florida State is trying to make its profile at the university level more attractive to a place like the Big Ten, that is what has made me think that that would be the destination. Now, it's far more interesting to think about the hurdles because it, I, I, it's the details, right, Josh? Yeah. Um, hey, we're leaving. Lawsuit, lawsuit, you know, counter lawsuit. Okay, um, it's $150 million for the exit fee and an unknown number of what the rep like what all of these years of media rights would be worth in terms of the grant of rights. Do you want a fat check right now? Or are you really gonna hold our feet to the fire between now and 2036? And is the ACC in a position where it's like, man, we would just take that check right now? What is that check? You know, like what is what is that check right there? That is what everybody, whether you're in the Magnificent Seven or whether you are any ACC institution, that is what your attorneys have gamed out. Lawsuit, lawsuit. Okay, what is it going to cost to get out right now? Because we understand that number is smaller because you're not actually going to carry this out for till 2036. The most newsworthy thing, Chip Patterson's with us here, CBS Sports, Cover 3 Podcast. The most newsworthy thing that I've taken away from both the Board of Trustees meetings, or I guess the one earlier this year and uh, Peter Collins' comments that I mentioned from Warchant, is it doesn't seem like there's anything the ACC could do to appease FSU at this point, where uh, Michael Walford had a big stink about, you know, uneven revenue distribution. And then Collins poo-poos that yesterday saying, well, what's that? Going to be an extra $6 million? That's still not going to get us where we need to go. Then you're starting to think, well, are there any chess moves that Jim Phillips could make in order to try and salvage that relationship and to appease the, the Seminoles, do you feel like it's inevitable, whether it's now, a year from now, 10 years, a dozen years, that FSU is going to leave the ACC? It's not an inevitability. Um, and I, I say that just because, um, number one, we never know with these kind of things. And I don't want to get old takes exposed here on uh, – you're on your fine program. Cheers. Um, I, listen, I, I hear I hear that things get clipped and played a lot on this show. Not trying to get myself onto the soundboard for this one. But the great unknown is what happens in a future where college, not college sports, but college football is more professionalized and perhaps its own entity, right? Mm. I mean, that's just... Does the ACC exist? Maybe. Does it exist as we know it? No, because it would be a, a different entity. They would be doing different things. Um, players would per perhaps be considered employees. They would perhaps have contracts. And, you know, when we get to that point, I, I don't know. Because Florida State's – here's the point. Florida State is going to do whatever it can on the field, in the bank. They are trying to do everything to compete at a national championship level. Like they are measuring themselves against Georgia and Alabama and LSU and all these other programs that are competing for national championships. And I like, as 
I think that the ACC model, which has shown especially Clemson in 2016 and 2018, not to mention, you know, playing for it in 2015 and 2019, Clemson has shown that, you know, you can be operating at a deficit. You can rely on your own, um, you know, what you've built to be able to get success on the field. But it appears as though Florida State is far more interested in making sure that it's not just happening on the field, but it's happening at the bank and it's happening pretty much across the board, that in every way you are measuring yourself uh, against the the top, most profitable, most lucrative programs in all of college athletics. What type, getting to golf, what type of game or what kind of player do you value at Sedgefield Country Club and the Wyndham Championship? Ooh. I Listen, man, I, I got to tell you, it's been a real busy week on this realignment front. <laughs> I've been on this. I've been I've been monitoring not just Florida State. We got Arizona Board of Trustees meetings. You know, we got exploratory we got groups in the Big Ten. See, look, Yay. you're a CBS guy. You got to pay so much more attention out of the Big Ten. I see it. No, and like you know, we're we're sitting here trying to figure out is it just gonna be Arizona or is it Arizona and Arizona State and Utah? Like, are they picking up the whole four corner schools? You know, then they've got that B team plan where you get out to maybe even a UConn or a Memphis. I, in general, you have to look at any Donald Ross golf course and say second shot golfer, right? Yeah. But that's the problem is you know if anybody who follows you know the metrics understands that the approach and second shot and like that. That's the stuff that is, helps you win at a place where just outright length is negated. And look, hitting it long is a great thing to be able to do at Sedgefield, but it's not how you necessarily separate yourself from the other contenders in there to win. You got to be dialed in on approach, set yourself up for birdies. There are a lot of birdies out there, but you've got to be hitting it in the right spot. So in general, a second shot golf course for, in, in my eyes. I thought you were just going to say Webb Simpson. You can't go wrong with that. Like I, he's not playing well right now. You can't go wrong with Webb. Just be like, hey, you know, it's Sedgefield. Webb, let's go with Webb. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chip, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks so much for making the time. Are you about to jump back on the YouTube stream of this board of trustees meeting and learn about how Florida State's trying to finance some planes for the university? Is that what you're about to do? <sighs> so I I got tipped off as to what the like general vibe was going to be at this meeting <laughs> and i think that it's like a lot of like shooting flares in the air you know like they're yeah. they're sending smoke signals at this meeting right now and uh <laughs> i'm curious how the how the response will be from the entities uh that are supposed to be seeing these smoke signals interesting we'll see. that's interesting turbulent times chip thanks man we'll talk soon sounds good